Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to Genesis 15. We want to continue with this, that we've been on a covenant of blood. And... uh, I was kind of thinking we might kind of take a little break and teach on something else, and no, that's not possible right now. Hallelujah. But so always remember, number one, always remember, I have a covenant. Say that out loud. I have a covenant. I have to always remember that I have a covenant. All right? Always remember that. Uh, because that 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 changes that changes the if we could say it that changes the game, all right. I have a covenant with Almighty God. Number two, the Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. I have to always remember that the blood of bulls and goats on the on the front half, the blood of the Lamb of God, Christ Jesus, uh, in the second covenant. Thirdly, a covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. A covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of other things. I won't take a long time on that, on these, but you always believe what God said about himself. What did God say about himself? What did God say he would do? Uh, That's so important because uh, it's what God said that I have to rely on. Not what someone else said about God or someone else's experience about God. What did God say? What did God say about his word? All right, that's that, and that's very important tonight. What did God say about his word? Because that, that's what you go back to. Because you'll always run into somebody that, that will either say it didn't work or they don't believe it. Well, but that's not the point. The point is, well, that's not how I believe it. That's not how I was taught. Well, that's irrelevant. Understand that, that all those things are just irrelevant excuses where the Word of God is concerned, because this is what the Word says. Amen. I, uh, one time I was teaching a class in uh, a jail, a uh, local jail, and I was talking about being born again, and uh, uh, about how you're a new creature in Christ when you were born again. There was a guy sitting down at the end of the table, and he just interrupted me, and he goes, I don't believe in that born again stuff. Now, he had a Bible. He said, I don't believe in that born-again stuff. I said, okay, I'm sorry. And he said, well, they, they didn't teach that in my church. Well, my first thought is, what church did you go to? First church and know nothing? I mean, I don't know. But, but the point is, the point is that, that that didn't change what the Word said. The Bible still says you must be born again, right? So in, in any of those areas, I have to, what did God say? about himself and about his word. Notice Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield, and your exceeding great reward. And you'll remember Abraham. Abram said, What what could you possibly give me, seeing I'm still childless? This Eliezer of Damascus is, is my heir, my steward. And notice the Lord said to him, verse 4, This will not be your heir, but he that will come out of your own body will be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and and said, look towards heaven and tell the stars if you're able to number them. In other words, tell the number of the stars. If you know how how many there are, tell me. So shall your seed be. Notice, and he, Abram, believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, we've talked about this a couple times in this series, but notice Abraham believed God. Now, I had two things he could have believed. I'm childless, and this, this, my steward's going to be my heir, or he could believe God. Now, notice, one is unseen. The other one is clearly evident. You see that? 
the promise of God, even though God showed him the stars as an illustration, there's still no evidence that I'm going to have a son other than what God said. But there is evidence that I don't have a son. Now, no, now notice, but notice what Abraham did. He chose to believe God. Amen. He chose to believe God. Now, sometimes in, in spirit-filled circles, charismatic circles, word of faith, whatever you want to call it, that phrase about believing God is kind of just bantered about. It's kind of something that people just throw around. But when you say, I believe God, you're saying something deeper than, you know, I think he might do it, right? The Amplified Bible says, and he, Abram, believed in, now watch, trusted in, relied on, remained steadfast to the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him as righteousness or right standing with God. Look, what he could see was real, but what, he, what God had said was more real. What you see may be real. See, I have a covenant. God cannot lie. Situations can lie. Circumstances can be wrong. God cannot be wrong. God cannot lie. So at any given time, I've got to make the decision, what am I going to believe? Amen? Because what he could see was real, but he decided that what God said was more real. Amen. So notice, he trusted in God, not the circumstances. See, the enemy likes to point out your circumstances because he can prove that you're broke. All you got to do is look at your check count. He can prove you're sick. To the flesh, because all you got to do is see how you feel. Look at the doctor's report, right? He can prove your children aren't living for God. Are you following me? So you have to, at some point, believe something greater than what can be seen, right? There's something greater that has to be seen. So he, he believed in, he trusted in God and not the circumstance. He relied on God and not the circumstance. Now, notice, he remained steadfast to God in spite of the circumstance. Amen. Nothing can, should ever be able to move you away from what you believe about God. You're steadfast to what you believe about God. Amen. Because God is faithful. Deuteronomy 7 says he's the faithful God. My part of the covenant is to remain steadfast to him. And, and we're going to look at some of this tonight. Over and over again in the word, it says they forsook the covenant. They broke the covenant. They transgressed the covenant. It never says God forsook the covenant or God broke the covenant or God transgressed because he can't. If, if you can comprehend that, that God cannot break his word. See, somehow Abram, ever what knowledge he had of God, I don't know what knowledge he had of God, ever what knowledge he had of God in chapter 15, it can't be very much because it was just chapter 12 that God appeared to him. So God starts the relationship in Genesis chapter 12. But somewhere by Genesis 15, Abram has come to this mindset that if God said it, I can trust it. And I can rely on it if I remain steadfast to it. See, God... God is the God that said things like, I will never leave you or forsake you. Right? God is the one that said, if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, 
you don't have to fear because I'm with you. As a matter of fact, I'm not only with you, I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He said, if you're going through the fire, I'm there. If you go through the flood, I'm there. And he said, as a matter of fact, I'll go through the fire with you and it won't kindle around you. I'll go through the flood with you and it will not overcome you. Do do you see that? Now notice in all those instances, he never said you wouldn't go through the valley. He said, I'll be there. He never said you wouldn't go through the fire, but he said, I'll be there and I'll make sure it don't kindle around you. Uh, He didn't say you won't go through the water. He said, you will, but I'll make sure it doesn't overcome you. He said there would be things that hit you where a thousand would fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it wouldn't come near you. He said, you're going to see destruction in other people's lives and destruction in the world. But understand something, that I've got you in the hollow of my hand and I'm keeping you. That's what I I got to believe what God said. Glory to God. Amen. Do you see that? Yeah, but I'm going through trouble. Isn't it good? He said, I'll be with him in trouble and I'll deliver him. And I'll show him my salvation. Glory to God. Do you see that? See, every time the devil tries to throw something at you, he's rolling the dice. Because it will always turn on him. It will always turn on him. I'm telling you, it will always turn on. Have you ever thought about this? The devil has no promise of success. You do. I am promised by Almighty God that if I'll just resist Him, He will flee from me. Is that right? Hallelujah. And, and, and listen, He's not smart enough to learn because He's too prideful. The enemy is prideful. That's his problem. You would think as many times as you've went upside his head with the Word of God that he would back off. But he won't because he's too prideful. Glory to God. But your job, <laughs> your job is stay faithful to God, steadfast to Him. God not only is never the problem, He cannot be the problem because He's only the solution. God cannot be the problem because He came to fix your problems. Woo, glory to God. That was worth combing your hair and coming to church for right there. Glory to God. He remains steadfast to God. Notice Psalm 78. Let's look at Psalm 78. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. See, that's the importance of knowing I have a covenant. God can be depended upon to do exactly what he said. Amen. If God says something, that's how it is. That's settled. You close, when, if God says it, that closes the book. There's no more discussion. This is what God said. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 78 verse 5. Notice. Speaking of God, he says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Oh, glory to God. What a testimony in your family that each generation can say, Boy, God's been faithful. God's been faithful. It blesses me that I told my kids the whole time they were growing up. And now I'm telling my grandkids that God will always keep you. God will always be faithful. If you'll do what God said, God will always do what he said. Oh, hallelujah. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And might not be as their fathers. Now notice this. A stubborn and rebellious generation. That is just the opposite of faithful and steadfast. Is that right? 
that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. And, uh, Genesis 15 says Abraham remained steadfast to God. He says here concerning the people of Israel, they were not steadfast with God. Notice, the children of Ephraim being armed, carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Here it is. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. They didn't keep the covenant. They didn't keep the covenant. Hallelujah. They didn't keep the covenant. They did not remain steadfast to God. See, there's this element that I've got to be faithful to God. I've got to be steadfast to God. Not only do I believe what he said, I'm, I'm steadfastly believing it. I'm faithfully believing it. Amen. Notice verse 17. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yes, notice, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Notice those, those phrases that it uses concerning them. It says, they sinned against him by, notice, provoking him. Then they tempted him. Then they spake against him. So we see two things here. Number one, dishonor for God and his word. Dishonor for God and his word. Can God? God's so big, why don't he change something? Hallelujah. Why don't God do this? Why don't God do that? Those are dishonorable statements. They had already seen what God could do. Is that right? So there's a dishonor for God and his word. Honor has to be prevalent in the covenant relationship you have with God. I have to honor his word. See, I have to honor God's word the way God honors his word. And he says God has uh, uh, exalted his word above all of his name. That's the position God has put his word in. Amen. When, for instance, is Jesus the word? And the word is Jesus. So when you talk about Jesus, you're talking about the word. You talk about the word, you're talking about Jesus. So for you to say the word doesn't work, you're saying Jesus doesn't work. For you, right? For you to say God failed, the word failed you, is to say Jesus failed you. Well, that's dishonorable. So they're dishonoring God who brought them out, who had already shown them what he could do. And now there's this, these dishonorable statements. Number two, we see a refusal to rely on God and a refusal to remain steadfast to him. Every time there's a little trouble, they're ready to go back. There's no faithfulness to God. Is that right? No faithfulness to Him. They're not steadfast to Him. Listen, always find yourself on God's side. Because that, that, that's not only the safe place to be, it's the right place to be. You're, all, you're always found being faithful to God. When, when Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? I believe that's talking about faith the way we teach it, but it's also faithfulness. Will he return and find people being faithful to what he said? Amen. Faithful to what he said. Because that, that's why you quote the word. That's why you confess the word. I believe that what you said is truth, and I'm remaining faithful to what you said. That's what Abraham had to do. This is my heir. No, that's not going to be your heir. Okay, I'm faithful and steadfast to you. I believe what you said. That's that steadfastness. That's being faithful to God. That's my part of the covenant. God initiated the covenant. It cannot fail if I just do my part. Amen. Hallelujah. Whatever you're experiencing, you're on God's side. Why? God's the one that can bring you out. 
Stay on his side. Stay with him. Stay under his shadow. Amen. Hallelujah. Stay faithful to him. Not, not, I, you cannot be more faithful to a, a system of belief than you are to God. There are people that you can tell them, God wants to heal you. Well, we don't believe that in our church. So you're more faithful to your church than you are to God. Well, I was never taught that. Yeah, but you see it in the Word, so who cares if you were taught it or not? Now this is what God said. I've had people get mad and get up and leave the church because I told people they were the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, who does he think he is? Just a little bit full of himself, isn't he? I read it from the Bible. Yes, sir. I read it from the Bible. I didn't say it. God said it, didn't he? Yes, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He has made him to be sin for us that knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Are you born again? Yes, Did you get saved? Is Jesus in your heart? Then you're righteous. I didn't say it. God said it. You stay with what God said. I just believe we're all just old sinners saved by grace. Well, you can believe that, but you're unfaithful to what God said if you do. You're not steadfast to what God said. Amen. Oh, glory. You know, and, and, and I don't know why I need to say this, but I'll say it. And then there's people that will make a mistake, and they'll miss the mark, and, and they won't go to church for six months. Because they don't feel like they can be spiritual anymore and they shouldn't pray because they missed the mark. And I've asked them, have you repented? Yes. Have you asked God to forgive you? Yes. Okay, then he doesn't remember it. It's like it didn't exist. Oh, but you know, I just, I just believe I need to work my way back to him. Man, that's a, that's a 1970 Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons song. I'm working my way back to you. That's, that's, not, a, that's not Bible. Right? The moment you ask God to forgive you, right? What, what did he do? What did he say? He said, I put it in the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered against you again. He said, I took it as far as the east is from the west. Nobody in here knows how far it is from the east to the west. Because he's talking universe. Several hundred billion miles of universe. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. If you stay steadfast to that, regardless of how you feel, you'll walk in victory. Do you see that? Oh, hallelujah. So whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're experiencing, yeah, but it just, it just feels like I'm not moving forward. But the Bible says you are. It says every day you're gaining the victory. Every day you have victory through Christ Jesus. It says every day you're triumphing. Yeah, but I feel beat up. Well, you're not, though. You're a champion. You're a victor. You have a covenant that says that. Amen. Yeah, but I just feel like the enemy's beating me up. But you got a shield out in front of you that's taking every fiery dart of the wicked. It's absorbing every one of them. Matter of fact, you're not trying to get the victory. You have it. Oh, glory. Stay on his side. I'm on God's side. Amen. I've told people before, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm staying with God. Because when it, when it all starts falling out, I know where I need to be. Amen. Stay faithful to him. Look at verse 34 here in the same chapter. Uh, when he slew him, they sought him and returned and inquired early after God. Now, this is what it means. When judgment came, they, they returned. Right? And notice. In their time of trouble, they remembered this is such a beautiful statement that God was their rock and the high God, their redeemer, right? After they had messed up and sinned and God said, okay, here's a little correction. The whole, oh, he is the high God. Verse 36, 
Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied to him with their tongues. Why? Their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast, there's that word again, in his covenant. They were not steadfast in his covenant. Well, how were they not steadfast? If you constantly question the covenant, you're not steadfast in the covenant. Do you see that? Abraham asked questions about how something was going to happen. And when God said, this is how, okay, I believe you. He didn't question the covenant. Do you see that? They were, stead, they were not steadfast in the covenant. The Amplified Bible says their hearts were not right or sincere with him. Neither were they faithful and steadfast to his covenant. The heart has to do with honor. They didn't honor God in the covenant that he had made with them. Notice, their hearts were not right or sincere with him. So important. This steadfastness, this sincerity. They didn't stay steadfast to his covenant. That word steadfast means resolutely or dutifully firm or unwavering. Resolutely or, or dutifully firm or unwavering. All right? There's got to be this resolute decision. I'm not changing my mind about what God said. I'm going to be unwavering in this. After all they had seen, after all they had experienced, they would not remain steadfast to his covenant. Hallelujah. Look, notice Genesis 18. See, it's, it's I've, I've heard this over the years. People will come and they'll say, well, God promised and he didn't. Now, wait a minute. There's a problem with that statement. Because the Bible says that all the promises of God are in him, meaning Christ, yes and amen. Yes and so be it. In other words, that's all God will say. If you run into somebody and say, well, you know, I, I prayed about that and I never got an answer. Uh, no, impossible. It's impossible impossible because the bible says whatever you ask the father in my name he'll do it for you is that right it said if if any man lack wisdom let him ask of god that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it'll be given to him that's what the scripture says see you're steadfast to that well what do you say to them well i mean you're mistaken somewhere because this is what the bible says amen and you will run into people that will not allow the Bible to mess up their unbelief. Right? They're going to believe what they want to believe, just by Bible or no Bible. Hallelujah. But that's not you. Because you believe every word from cover to cover. This is absolute truth to you. Amen. Genesis 18, notice here. This is uh, when God is visiting Abram. Abraham and Sarah, verse 13, Genesis 18 and 13. And the Lord said to Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Notice what the Lord says. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now see, at some point in your life, you've got to answer that question. And there's only one answer, because understand this, if God is who he said he is, nothing's too hard for him. Now, now understand why he's saying that. He's not saying that like the religious form, where, you know, after all, nothing's too hard for God. It could happen. That's not what is being said here. Sarah is in the tent. It's, it's past, listen, she's went through the change of life, Right? She has went through menopause. 
She cannot have a child physically, never could, was always barren. But now, the way of women is no longer with her, the Bible says. And Abraham is past the ability to father a child. And Sarah's in the tent, doing whatever she was doing in the tent. And God told Abraham, Sarah's going to have a son. And it just struck her as impossible. And she laughed. Not unbelief. Like, how in the world is that going to happen? Right? Notice, what, notice how God said. And he's asking the question. Now, I know you're laughing at this, but let me ask you a question. Anything too hard for the Lord? See, that's what he's asking. And then he follows it up with the promise. At the time appointed, I will return to you according to the time of life. Nine months, in other words, and Sarah will have a son. Now, notice, every juncture that God appears to Abraham, now there is this opportunity to believe what they see or believe what God said. And every time, they did it right. They believed what God said. And Abraham probably had less training where the word of God is concerned than anyone in this room. He had no Bible. He didn't have a church to go to. Yeah, but, but, but God appeared to him. That, listen, just because God appeared to him did not mean it was automatic that he was going to believe him. God had to tell Abraham, believe me, walk up rightly before me, I'll do what I say. Jesus told the man, the rich man in hell in the book of Luke, he said, if one goes to your brothers from the dead, they won't believe. He said, if they won't believe the written word, if one appears to them from the dead, they won't believe him either. If you won't believe God's word, it wouldn't matter if God appeared to you. Doubt is an equal opportunity substance. It will doubt what you see. It will doubt what you hear. It will doubt what you feel. It will doubt what you hear. An angel of the Lord could appear to you tonight in your bedroom and tell you the exact day and time and hour that God's going to bring you out of debt. And you still have to believe it. You have to believe because here's what a lot of people would say. How in the world could that happen? That's only three days from now. How in the world could that happen? And right there, you just tied that angel's arms that, that had the place picked out, and had, right? So God is telling them, is anything too hard for me? And then he says, nine months from now, I'm going to return, and you're going to have a son. So now here again, they're at this juncture that they have to believe either what God said or what they can see. Because I promise you, because I know how faith works, they didn't feel extra vital in the next hour. They had to believe God. The Bible says Sarah received strength to conceive seed when she was past age because she judged him faithful. God's faithful. I say, God's faithful. Amen. Oh, glory. We want to stay steadfast to the one that nothing is too hard for. Amen. You know, every one of us in here, we are steadfast and faithful to people that can't do anything for us because we're good friends or they're family or we love them. How much more should we be steadfast and faithful to the one that nothing is too hard for? I'm just going to stay on his side. Oh, glory to God. Right? That's what you got. See, that's covenant language. You have a covenant. Who's God talking to? His covenant partner. What did he promise his covenant partner? Nothing's too hard for me. That, that levels the playing field. So when you, you, you see something and God says, I want to do that for you, what should come to your mind, first of all, is not what does it cost? How would we ever do that? Oh, okay. You're saying it, so nothing's too hard for you. Oh, glory. Think about it. 
Can, can God give you a house debt free? What's that? Well, see, right? What the children of Israel say? God said, I'm going to do this. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Look, we're in the wilderness. There's no fruit trees around here. There's no Kroger. You think, here's what they're saying. You really think God can furnish a table in the wilderness? He had already brought water out of a rock. He had already rained manna from heaven. Quail, one foot off the ground. And it says the one that gathered the least of the quail gathered six 50-gallon drums full. And that was the least. It's probably one single guy that lived way on the back end of the camp. Didn't know how to cook. Anyway, the, the, the point is they'd already seen that. And yet they still said, can God? Everyone in here has testimonies of what God has done for you in your life. What nobody else could do. You, if God ever did one thing for you that nobody else could do, you have reason to never doubt Him ever again. Let me put it this way. If God saved you, you have no reason to ever doubt Him again. Because that's the greatest thing that He could ever do. Saving you took more of God's power than healing you ever will. But nothing's too hard for God. See, that's I got a covenant. Nothing, I have a covenant that says nothing's too hard for God. Well, God told me to go after that, but they're asking this, and I just, nothing's too hard for God. Amen. God was faithful to Abraham and Sarah but they were faithful and steadfast to God. God cannot show himself faithful to unfaithfulness. If I'm not going to be faithful, God can't show himself faithful. Glory to God. When the thought comes to your mind, what if God doesn't? And then you fill in the blank. You slap that thought down. That's an unfaithful, non-steadfast thought. What do you mean if God doesn't? He said he would. If God said he would, why would you ever say, well, what if God doesn't? What? I don't know. I, I know many people in here better than I know some. But there are people in here that if you told me you were going to be at my house tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., I'm going to be up and ready and dressed. I'm not going to be in, as Lily says, my jamamas. I'm going to be up and ready and dressed and meet you because you said you'd be there at 8 o'clock. And you're just a man or a woman, but you've never lied to me. And because you've never lied, I put my trust in you. God has never lied to you. God cannot lie. God has done everything he promised. I can trust him. I can put my faith in him. So when the thought comes, well, what if God doesn't, you slap that thought down because it's unfaithful. It's unfaithful. Oh, glory. God will always do what he promised. My part's to be steadfast and faithful to him. See, that's where a lot of people miss it about Job. Job missed it in a lot of, in a lot of areas. Job missed it in a lot of areas. But he, man, he had it in one place. He had it in one place. When his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, that's a foolish statement. Amen. He said, are we going to receive good from him? And now that we're having bad, turn on him? I don't think so. Amen. The Bible says through all of that, Job remained steadfast to God. Yeah, his words, he was blaming God for something. He didn't know any better. But he never turned on God. He never said, I'm done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's never our problem. Mm-hmm. There are believers who will say they're relying on God and faithful to God and then say, well, you never know what God will do. You can't be faithful till you never know what God will do. I mean, think about this. A marriage. A marriage. And you're over at your friend's house and they're married. 
And you say, well, where's your husband? Is he coming home soon? Well, I don't know, because you never know what he'll do. I bet that's a good marriage. Right? No, we know what each other's going to do. Matter of fact, after you've been married a while, you start thinking like each other. Lord, help us. But you do. Glory to God. That's why David King thinks he's the best looking man in the world. Patricia has told him that for so long, he believes it. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that right, Brother Jim? Amen. Hallelujah. God's good. Well, you know, after all, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, we might be thinking one way and God's thinking another way. That's sure evidence that that person does not know God well enough to be faithful to him. I know his thoughts. He's outlined them for me. How can a person be faithful to a God that you never know what he'll do? Answer, you cannot be. Notice in Acts 27. Oh, we're right on time. I heard Brother Hagin say something one time that just imprinted my spirit, just absolutely revolutionized my thinking along some lines. And he said, when you see somebody that's, that's uh, well, he's talking about ministry in particular. And he said, when you see somebody in the ministry, he said, that is uh, constantly uh, failing and constantly struggling, he said one of two things. He said that they either were never called or they're hopelessly unfaithful. Well, that changed my, my life because I knew I was called. Now all I got to do is be faithful. Amen. That's so important because a lot of times when you talk to people that will say God doesn't, God didn't, God failed, you name the, the, the way they, they, they fill in the blank. If you look at the situation, you will find their unfaithfulness, right? If you're not, not going to be faithful to God and live holy and live right, Live like a Christian should live, right? We see a lot in the news today about ministers falling. Well, what was their problem? They wouldn't live right. Folks, I'm sorry. You can't be a Christian sipping Hennessy before you come to church. Sipping your favorite Chardonnay. Because, because those, those kind of people want just enough of the old life, but it's unfaithfulness. You can't be dabbling in things over here and say, I'm faithful to God. Now, that's, that's old school. That, that'll get you kicked off Twitter. But it's still right. So very often in the church, people are so, you'll hear ministers say, we don't see signs and wonders and miracles like we used to. I don't know where they go to church or what they preach. We do. But you can't be dishonorable to God in the way you act and the way you live and the way you present yourself and expect God to honor you with his presence. Amen. You know, people will make statements. They'll say, well, you know, God doesn't care how you dress. He used to. According to Scripture, does the Bible say you're the temple of the living God? It says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Is that what it says? Do I, do I want God's temple looking like I just got my jeans out of the wrinkle drawer? Do 
Do I want to get up here? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, do I want to get up here representing God to my church and representing God to you and representing myself as the temple of the living God with jeans that have rips in them from the belt loop to the knee up here in a wife beater with a chain around my neck, tattoos all up and down my arms, and I'm up here telling you about how God don't care how you dress and you can sip if you want to. God understands and God God understands. Here's the problem. You're teaching people to be unfaithful to God. That's right. That's right. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, it's not a sin to have a tattoo. That's not, that's not the point. But there, there's, something, uh, there's something about what is the upside to that once I'm born again. What's, what's the upside to doing everything I can to look like the world? If I'm unfaithful to God, God's un, God, God cannot show himself Faithful to me. Amen. Glory to God. Do, 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 do you see that? And, 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 and I might, well, I'm meddling. I might as well just finish the whole thing. And if I hear another preacher talk about how, well, God wasn't, isn't against drinking. He's against excess. Come on, man. At what point do we keep giving ourselves license to do what we know is not right under the guise of, well, I didn't go to excess. What's excess? One glass of wine might be excess to you. Five might not be excess to me. But what if we just put that across the, the board to everything? How many lines of cocaine are excess? One, two. Married ladies. How many girlfriends for your husband is excess? I mean, let's talk about it. Is, is one, one's not excess? Carrie, one's fine, right? No, thank you. Oh, how about this? One that he sees every six months. No, that, that would be ridiculous. People have a covenant with Almighty God. That he said, I'll be faithful to you. All I need is for you to be steadfast and faithful to me. We preach the gospel sometimes to the generation that we live in like they are incapable of living for God. And we got to make it so easy that there's no barriers. I'm going to tell every person in here, old, young, middle-aged, black, white, fat, skinny, ugly, pretty, whatever you consider yourself... Here's what I'm going to tell you, that if you will be dedicated to the things of God, God will be dedicated to your life. If you're willing to put some things aside for God, God will do some things in your life that nobody else can do. But there's got to be something, there's got to be something that I say, I'm for God. Oh, hallelujah. Acts 27, verse 21, and we'll hurry here. After long abstinence, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and God hath given you all that sail with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. That it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Notice he says, I believe God. After this, after he said this, they were still being tossed. The storm hadn't stopped. They had the anchors out and the ship still being torn apart. There's still no sun. It's still dark. But Paul has stated, I believe God. I said, I believe God. It was still dark, but Paul believed God. So in other words, here's this critical juncture again. This is what God said. This is what I see. And Paul said, I believe God. Now notice verse 44. And, and remember that they, they jumped, got out of the boat, got out of the ship. Some swam to, to shore. The rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And it came to pass they escaped all safe to land. This happened because God, Paul stayed faithful to God. 
and relied on God. God gave that whole ship of men to the faithful man. Notice that. God has given all, you all, that sail with you. How do I know my family is all going to be saved? Because I'm faithful to God. I go to God like that with that, and and I'm about done. Bear with me. When when I go to the Lord about certain things, I'll tell him, now, Lord, I've done what you asked me to do. I've moved. Every time you've asked me to move and go somewhere, I've done it. Every time you've asked me to start something, I've done it. I've started every church you told me to start. I've started every ministry you told me to start. Now, Lord, I've been faithful to you. And I've had people say, oh, so you're bragging on yourself. You can't brag on yourself to God because there's nothing to brag on. But I remind him, I've been faithful to you. Not in an arrogant way. I love you. I live right. I live my life the best that I know how. Now, Lord, I'm expecting you to be faithful to me. Amen. That's how I know my family will be saved. Because I'm faithful to God. That's how you can know that everything God promised you is going to come to pass in your life because you're faithful to God. Amen. It's a wonderful feeling to pillow your head on your pillow at night knowing that you lived faithful to God all day long. There's nothing between me and God except a blood covenant. Glory be to Isn't that good? Amen. And, and as we're closing, I just want to say, you know, the, 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 the thing about this is when I talk about being faithful to God, you know, my heart hurts when I see ministers falling into things that ministers should never get into. You know, I'm, I'm what they call a teetotaler. You know what a teetotaler is? I don't drink, cuss, smoke, or chew, or hang around them that do. <laughs> but, you know, when, when you hear things like this minister ended up in a woman's hotel room and he doesn't remember what happened because he was too drunk. But yet, the next night, he was on the stage at a conference. I don't, I don't understand that. Well, God's forgiving. God's loving. Yes, he is. But we just had a person so drunk they don't know what they did in a hotel room. That's unfaithful to God. That's not being steadfast to God. God saved us. God bought us with a price. I belong to God. I don't have a right to just do whatever I want to do. Nobody does. Not if I want, not if I want God to function in my life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I've had people tell me, you, you hold people to too high of a standard. I only hold you to the standard that the Word holds us all to. If the Word holds us to that standard, that's the standard. 